Quantum Kickflip is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network. Locally grown, community supported. Previously on Quantum Kickflip. The tape that Chester keeps with him all the time that he got from his mom is damaged in this process and rendered unlistenable. It's, it's, it's gone. The tape is... Uh, I, I don't... It's not working so much. I will gather my order and head for Prismatia, and we will need all the help that we can get there. If you're looking for your friend's armor to try and expose Miper's crimes, I don't know that you'll find it in your dimension. They've established a, a, a laboratory that exists outside of your dimension. Although, Nick, if you're looking for answers about your father, I... I imagine those would be in your home plane. Wait a minute. There's five of us. We could like split up. We could all work together to 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 do it all. We could we could do this. If we managed to recover the data from from Chester's armor, if there was any way to communicate that to the people in Miper headquarters, we could we could use their networks and broadcast it everywhere. Weird gravity on five. On <laughs> yeah, five. countdown from five. That's a totally normal way to do the hand thing. <laughs> everybody, and welcome back to Quantum Kickflip, a Slug Blaster actual play podcast. My name is Robin. I am your host and your Slug Master, and with me are five of my best and funniest friends in the whole wide world, and they are going to introduce themselves to you now in the order of, I want to know whose character is best to have in your group on a group project, uh, from best to worst. Hi, my name is Michael Vetch. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm yep, yep. playing... Nick Lowe, the <laughs> Smarts Playbook. I think he does a pretty good job in the school. I think he's he's up there in the class. Uh, he's he's up on that the the the, the top end of that the, the little little bit of that curve. And uh, he's the guy you want in your group if you don't want to do any work on the group project. Yeah, he yeah. like <laughs> he tries to share it around, but sometimes like you know he's he's just the group, you know. So, um, <laughs> but when he's not doing that, he's out slug blasting with his crew, and he runs around with his Rift Ninja sneakers and his Negatana, the big cool nigga fiction soul. <laughs> uh, hey, I'm Liam. I play Lake. She is the heart playbook. Uh, she wields the reality cannon. Uh, and yeah, I think she just like does good in school. Like there's no, doesn't try extra hard, doesn't you know drag ass or hold people down. She just like shows up, does the work, is mostly capable and is mostly like do- you know n- you know doesn't like it. Nobody you know he's like stoked to be in school. But I just I always remember girls in my class who were just like you're just good at being here you're not you're not excelling but you're you you seem to be able to handle it uh, <laughs> uh i was one of those people for sure absolutely <laughs> sounds like you're going next oh me uh oh sure look uh my name is david ray and i play chester capone and I have to now justify why Chester, uh, who's not the brightest fella, he's the Grits playbook, he has powered armor that he barely understands. And uh, but I think one of the, his strengths is that he tries. He will try all the way. And, and Gets those effort marks. Effort marks, for sure. And like if it's one of those like class presentations where it's like the whole group of you, you know, uh, if you're like, hey, Chester... 
look, you need to do something dumb. You need to wear a costume. You need to like read a thing. He will put his all into it. And I think everybody realizes it, even though uh, he may not understand many of the words coming out of his own mouth as you give him a script. That is fine. Uh, and uh, you can't help but uh, uh, like him uh, as he does his presentations. Hi, my name is Glenna. I play Elliot Buchanan. She is the chill playbook. Uh, she has a voidware backpack, but she keeps various things, including her guitar, because she is an aspiring singer-songwriter. Uh, she's a band called Paula the Ape Woman with her friends Michelle and Riku, and that's pretty cool. And she um, does not try. <laughs> I, think, I think she's a smart kid. I think she, like, the night before will throw something together and get, like, a B, but she really doesn't try very hard. That's she cool. catches a B for every project? <laughs> yes. That was only relevant once. <laughs> and not for the subject you'd think. <laughs> Hello, my name is Lena Anderson, and I am playing Angus Franklin. He is the Guts playbook. He slug blasts with his skip mode runners, and he is the king of I don't want to be here. Uh, we've even had uh, previous episodes where everyone does an in the lab, including Angus, but he goes to another classroom to do it. <laughs> uh, and as I said at the top, I'm Robin. I'm your host. I'm your slugmaster. Uh, and I also occasionally voice uh, an NPC named Juniper Jenkins, who I think is the opposite end of Nick in that, like, she will also do all the work on the group project, but she'll also tell the teacher that you didn't help and get you an F. <laughs> so she's the one you don't want in your group anyway um, yeah welcome back friends it's uh this is a weird one i keep wanting to be like it's our season finale but like it's the start of our last run and i don't know how many episodes it's gonna be yet so it's like it's a big deal we've come a long way we've been doing this for more than a year now um i'm so proud of everything we built here but also like it, it feels weird to be like it's the end because it's it's not yet but it's close. Last time around, you guys were in the plain of Quahalia, which was sort of a mind-melty, logic-twisty, dreams and memories and flashbacks dimension where you got to, like, learn a whole lot of exposition about what's been going on this whole time uh, and where things are going from here. Uh, and you found out that Miper is, uh, is up to no good and you may be the only thing standing in their way. Uh, and so I think that's... Plenty of reason to get right to the action here. What do you say, gang? Are we ready? One to three to five more times, last times, to play Slug Blaster. All right, hands in. Slug Blaster on five. Or three or one. On three to five. We're in separate rooms. We don't know what. Hands Are you ready in, to play Michael. Slug Blaster or not? Yes. Yes. yes um. uh, then with that, I take you into the show that we do that's called Quantum Kickflip now. <laughs> The changing of the seasons is not a universal, let alone multiversal concept. It looks different depending on where you are in the world. It's subjective. And that's especially true of springtime in Hillview. Greenery, new life, flowers, gentle rain, birdsong. None of these phrases are accurate summations of a northern Alberta spring. No, springtime in Hillview is a wet, brown, muddy disaster. 
The melting snow leaves everything uncomfortably squelchy for weeks and weeks before the first buds even begin to appear on the trees. The grass remains yellow and dead, but is somehow also moist and unpleasant to walk on, and all the errant litter and uncollected dog crap that got buried under the snow reappears atop a dense layer of wet, half-rotten leaves from the previous autumn. Geese return home from their southern retreat, but geese are awful and should never be celebrated. By the time spring gets remotely tolerable, it has become summer. Still, Hillview winters are brutal enough that the end of one, however ugly it may be, is still a cathartic occasion. There is a shared sense of having endured something, of surviving an ordeal and emerging stronger for it, with a renewed sense of purpose and drive. And while it may be true for everyone in Hillview, it is perhaps felt most keenly by the five members of Weird Gravity. We go to the lookout tower that looks above the whole town. And the lookout tower is supposedly like some sort of tourist thing, but it's weird because it just looks out on a town. Mm-hmm. And, and often a lot of kids just go up to the lookout tower to throw things off. Uh, it might be their bikes. It might be uh, pottery. It might be, uh, you know, uh, soda. It doesn't matter. Everything gets thrown off the lookout tower. jack o from the previous Halloween, for sure. Yes, especially Absolutely. pumpkins after Halloween. Yep. I, I got to ask, sorry, what, what were the, the former residents of Hillview looking out for when they built this tower? <laughs> oh, it, nothing, like, this is the thing. It was not even, like, has any historical significance. It's literally like, look, there's a town. You got to see if and, people are coming over the hill. On the hiking trail, it would have the little plaque that just says scenic viewpoint. Yeah, I was going to say, like, what what town would just build an arbitrary, like, lookout point for tourists? But we live in Edmonton, and there's exactly one of those at the end of the funicular. (laughs) I I grew up in Minnedosa, Manitoba, and we literally had one of those. And we literally just threw things off of it. Anyways, so we're up on top of there, looking across uh, the small Albertan town. And uh, it is nice up there, especially... As uh, uh, the sun sets and everything, uh, Chester is up there with Juniper. Uh, as Chester and Juniper both realize that uh, he's getting ready to go into another dimension to do something, something potentially d- dangerous. Yeah, I think uh, Juniper's got like an oversized hoodie and like probably several layers under that. It's the kind of thing where like. As we all know, being Northern Alberta residents, the springtime weather comes, the snow starts to melt, and you want to be outside because you've just missed that sun. Uh, but it's still not warm yet. Like, the the wind in particular is brutal, uh, especially up on this lookout tower. So Juniper's got, like, yeah, big oversized hoodie. Uh, is all layered up, and it's kind of like she's pulled her arms inside the hoodie a little bit. Um, and I think she's also, like, sitting pretty cozied up to Chester to just, like, kind of block each other from the wind a little. Uh, and she turns to you and is like... Oh, this is uh this is great. I I forgot it's I I forgot this was even up here, you know? I I um oh, it's, it feels like the winter just went on for so long that it's so nice to be out out here again even if it is a little <sighs> and she kind of like scooches closer to you. And 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 Chester uh um pulls her in and like um yeah. Hey, I I'm sorry. I didn't expect it to be this cold. Like I mean, when we left our house is you know, half an hour ago, it was nice and warm. Somehow it just drops weirdly quickly. Um, she kind of looks at you for a second and is like, oh yeah, I guess this is your first spring here, isn't I? I just, wow. I, yeah. In some ways it feels like this year has been, gone on for so long and, and that we've all known each other for so long. But in other ways, I forget that like 
you, you kind of just arrived. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm still getting adjusted, but but it's okay. I, 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 and I mean, a part of it is that you've made my um, my time here in Hillview to be like a really nice one, and um, I appreciate, uh, you know, like I I I get that I'm not the smartest guy sometimes, but I I like that you we've been able to hang out. And, um, you've gotten to know me. I have. And she reaches into her sweater and she, uh, she pulls out a little, uh, a little package. Um, I think it is wrapped immaculately. I think, you know, like everything, wrapping gifts is something that Juniper excels at. (laughs) (laughs) And she pulls it out of her her jacket and kind of hangs onto it for a second there and, and, uh, looks up at you and, and says, Chester, I... I wanted to apologize for how I treated you when we first met. The school was always kind of presented to me as like like a competition, I guess, like something that you win. And if other people aren't helping you win at it, then they're, they're probably just distracting you or dragging you down. And it's, it's like those, those new reality shows that are all over TV all of a sudden lately. You know those new shows that you see everywhere? <laughs> and everyone's always like, I'm, I'm, I'm not here to make friends, I'm here to win. Yes. Yeah, yeah, Survivor's great. I love it. <laughs> and she kind of smiles at that. It's like, anyway, I I thought that was me, you know? I, I wasn't at school to make friends, but I made one anyway. And once I started hanging out with you, I, I made so many more friends, and I, I realized that there's more important things for a person to be than useful, you know? Anyway, I, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but thank you, I guess teaching me all these things that I didn't know that I needed to know. And she passes over the gift. And, and, and like, Chester takes a moment to, like, look at the the wrapping, just like, wow. And just, like, with one hand rips the whole wrapping off. <laughs> just like, just like, <laughs> and, uh, You reveals... see her die a little inside, just a tiny bit. <laughs> but she holds it together. I... <laughs> I, I mean, I do crumple it up appropriately and throw it off the lookout tower like you do. Okay. And, <laughs> and, uh, uh, and in his hands is? Uh, it's, a, it's a cassette tape. It's a, a copy of an album that you know very well. It's, uh, it's watermarked by Enya. And she says, um, the, the crew told me what happened with the other one. And I mean, I, I went down to the music store at the mall, but the, you know, they have have it on CD. They have lots of copies, but it's it's not... They don't have it in stock on tape anymore because there's not a lot of demand for them, so I, I had to look online because I, I, it felt important that it was the it, same, it's, so I... It's... I really like it. Um, and and he goes and uh, uh, gives her a hug, and they hold it for a little while, and um, you know, tears kind of like well up in his eyes a little bit, and when he pulls back, he wipes him away, and um, um, yeah, I, I thanks uh, for getting you know one of these. I, um, if I'm honest with you, I, I get that it's um, I it's, it's it's not it's not the same uh, tape. I know, but I think one of the things that I got um, from. Seeing that tape go is, you know, 
even though my mom, even though my mom passed, she's still there. And this is a great example of it. You know, I can make new connections and um, go get ahead, you know. Thanks. Juniper looks at you for a second and looks like she's trying to decide something. And she leans in and kisses you and then immediately pulls away and is like, I'm sorry. That was, that's not, that wasn't, I'm sorry. Hey, 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 hey. And then uh, he pulls her back in and uh, he kisses her. Yeah! Yes! Yay! (laughs) And I think that's where we leave that scene, because I feel weird about role-playing it any further. (laughs) (laughs) Sure, okay. Check in on someone else. Mm So I think Paula the Ape Woman practices in, like, Riku's garage. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that they're uh, an official band that has a label and could practice in, like, a real venue, but I don't know. There's something about practicing No, I think garage. that makes perfect sense. Because you guys are on, you know, Michelle and Riku's old label, which I think has a lot of, like, credibility, but maybe not a lot of resources. That, like, you're on the... Uh, dine alone of of this fictional timeline um i hope that's a relevant poll still i haven't known record companies for a very long time um but yeah it's like a, a little upstart indie label that like you know all of the coolest bands are on but they probably don't have a lot of money to throw at you unless you're like you know recording an album or touring or something so that makes total sense to me mm-hmm. and so i think uh paula the ape woman has just finished up a practice a rehearsal okay um, and they like sound out the final chord, and uh, Michelle goes n- nuts on the drums. Right? Big Phil, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and and there's and it sounds great, and they're really happy about it. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then I think uh, Devani pulls up on her hoverboard to pick Elliot up. Uh, yeah, Devani comes gliding up to a stop and kind of does the thing where she like uh, hops off her board and kind of kicks the tail end up and catches it. And it's like, hey, babe, uh, how's it sounding? Uh, it's sounding pretty good. How, how are you? Oh, you know, fabulous as always. <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, I, uh, so, and Elliot, like, looks over at Michelle and Riku and then looks back at Devani and then kind of, like, gets a little shy. Ooh, I like this energy. What are we, what are we doing here? What's this? Um, and she kind of like looks to Michelle and Riku, like seeing if one of them will rat, rat out what you're so nervous about. Anything? I'm getting nothing here. Uh, I wrote you a song. <laughs> I think Michelle and Riku can't help but kind of like go into giggles, not even in a like, oh my God, you like a like a girl way, but in just like the, the way you delivered that was so shy that they can't help but be like, ooh. Um, <laughs> which Devani immediately joins in on and is like, wow, a song for me? Um, and you can tell she's kind of doing her like too cool for this act, 
but like a little blush comes to her chin. Like she she is genuinely pretty stoked on this. And I was like, well, you have to play it for me. Okay. Um, I've been working on this for a while. I figured out. I figured out the chords in another dimension. So, just just think of that. Okay. All right. I call this one speechless. <laughs> uh, and Devani uh, flops down. I'm picturing like an old couch, like the kind of the the couch that you used to be your main living room couch um and you can't you don't have the heart to throw it away so you just shove it in the garage um yeah i think there's one of those in your practice space and she kind of flops down uh maybe has like uh i think she flops down at first and has like a leg up over the armrest but then as you start into the song she sort of like realizes that this is like real and sentimental and and kind of pulls herself together um and with that both devani and we hear elliot's new song As a kiss on the neck from anyone else You achieve by brushing your lips Cross my fingertips I try to hide that I melt inside Then I see your eyes, clever, kind and wise And all I can think is she sees right through me What can I do? You make me speechless You're charming as hell just to boot I stand next to you My breath escapes me You break through my shell And break to me tenderly Your genuine truth The final chord uh, trails off uh, and I think it's it's barely echoed out and Devani is on her feet and marches straight up and, and plants one on Elliot um, and like I think holds it for like a little too long like like you guys are in public and in front of your bandmates and she like doesn't care she gets a little bit make outy <laughs> <laughs> and she finally pulls away and is like my favorite song it's the best song i've ever heard awesome i like that it's about me <laughs> <laughs> and i like that you wrote it yeah i'm glad that you like it and and thank you to michelle and riku for backing me up Michelle does another little drum fill. Devani's like, so hang on, you said you wrote the chords for this in another dimension. What other dimension did you write these in? Uh, Desnine, right after we started dating, when you told me to bring you back something. She, she looks a little misty for a second, but then shakes it off and is like, You've been sitting on this since Desneed? I could have heard this months ago. I can't believe you didn't play this for me. And she kind of slaps you playfully. And is like, ah, oh, you're the worst. Uh, but then she pulls you into it for a hug. I had to make sure it was perfect. <laughs> uh, and I think you guys got to play fight your way out the door and, and head off to wherever you're off to next. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> So the final bell rings out at the end of the school day, uh, and we see uh, kids flooding into the halls of Hillview Secondary and, and hitting up their lockers and grabbing all their stuff. I think it's it's in a rush. Um, it's, you know, people are excited to get out of school and, and get out and enjoy the, the nice weather, which is still freezing cold because it's northern Alberta, but it's, you know, 
It's it's the nicest weather they've seen in months, so they're excited to to get out there. I think it's yeah. Angus Friday. doesn't wear a jacket, <laughs> <laughs> and Angus has yeah no jacket. Shoves stuff in his locker, grabs his bag, uh, and is almost out the door when he hears a voice echoing out from behind him. Ah, Mr. Franklin, hang on a minute. Hang on now. Uh, I I believe we had a standing arrangement that you were supposed to be checking in with me, and and uh, gosh darn it, if you haven't if I haven't seen hide nor hair of you in in a while now, so uh, I'd like to know uh, one thing from you real quick, and that's what the heck <laughs> is going on. <laughs> uh, Angus uh, uh, pauses, looks out the door, debates it. Turns around and walks back up to Patterchuck, and he's like, I mean, I feel like my grades have been fine. Well, your grades are, are one matter, but you know, you, you and I, we we had a, an arrangement. I, I've got photographic evidence of you doing something you shouldn't, and I I'm hanging on to that in exchange for your cooperation in 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 addressing the slug blaster menace in this chat. We really should step into my office if we're going to talk about our covert operations. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to do that, actually. Oh, really? Well, I think somebody, for, namely your mother, might be very interested in hearing in hearing what I've got here and seeing what I've I've got my hands on, and I think he's carrying the printout of uh, the, the <laughs> security footage. <laughs> well, yeah, he's got it on a clipboard, and uh, I think someone would be very interested to see this, and that somebody would be your mother. Why don't I just give her a quick call and get her down here? Angus smirks, crosses his arms in front of his chest, and says, "You do that. It's old news." Ah, oh, wow, 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 what are you talking about, old news? <laughs> you're, you're not telling me something. My mom knew about me breaking into rescue the day you threatened me with that picture. I went home, and I told her everything. The entire time that I've been having your little meetings has been <laughs> doing the thing that I do best. Wasting your time. <laughs> well, I just... Well, no, because you get... A, but th there was the time that you told me about... And and there was the lead about the... Gosh darn it, you have been wasting my time, haven't you? Every single lead, none of them panned out. You've been messing with me. <laughs> it's been fun, Patterchuck. But I've got things I need to do. Well, you got me this time, Franklin, but... You know, you you think you've won here. You think you've wasted so much of my time, but helping students, setting them on the right path, that's never a waste of time. And and I take comfort, at least, in the fact that if you were here meeting with me, spending your time checking in with old Patterchuck, well, at least you haven't been slug blasting. And I call that a win. <laughs> and he kind of smirks self-satisfiedly to himself and, and turns and walks away. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those were some real good half-hour blocks that I wasn't slug blasting. You want to find the slug blaster menace? You're looking at him. <laughs> he and Angus turn turns and walks at the door. <laughs> I 
think we are at uh, the low apartment. Uh, Nick is just in his room and he's, he's gathering together all of his supplies. Uh, he's getting ready to head out and meet with the rest of the crew to figure out and sort of finalize their, uh, I guess, plan of attack. <laughs> Um, and he's, he's in his room, he's packing everything into his bag, and he sets up, uh, one of the devices he had used before, where it's just, like, a little, a little hollow projector of himself, uh, made out of a webcam that, that shows him working at his desk doing homework, and he's prepping all that, and he knows his mom is out at work, and he, just as he is opening the window in his room to start climbing out, the door swings open, and Mouth Agape is standing Uncle Terry. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, hey, Nick, I got some more DVDs for you. The new season of Neon Genesis Avril Lavigne. Hey, what do you think you're doing there, buddy? Uh, Uncle Terry, well, I didn't I didn't know you you were coming over today. I, uh, um, he, like, shakes I, his head and, and tisks, like, I'm I'm just working on a cloning project. Is that, did you take the sword out of where your mom hit it? No. Technically, not that you've got another sword. I, I, yes, I made it. I made a new sword, and oh, jeez, I this isn't a clone; it's a hologram, so I can sneak out. I, uh, Uncle Terry, th- things things are are happening. They're, they're they're bigger, and the stakes are higher than, than ever before. And he's waving he's, his hand through the hologram to be like, "It's just like the season finale, Terry. It's just like the season finale of every show you've ever you've ever <laughs> put before my eyes." Terry's still, like, sort of impressed with this hologram, and he's like, Sir, how did how did you get a second sword? Well, I... I made it. I I realized I... I without the other sword, I was, I, I was falling behind, and I, I wasn't able to make the same progress. And as soon as I made this new, uh, better version of the Negaton, I... You... You made your own Negafriction sword. Well, yeah, I, I made the first one, too, technically. Oh, he's like, you, you're really putting me in a tough spot here, Nick. You, 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 I, I have to believe you're not supposed to be doing any of this, yes? Yes. But what, these stakes, these stakes being bigger than ever, what, what are you, what are you planning? What are you up to? We just found out that Miper has been doing huge things, things that could have full multiversal consequences and and mixed up in all of it i i think i can learn about my dad yeah i think i think this comment about your dad sort of scratches uncle terry's conspiratorial itch um <laughs> uh, and he he's you know i've always wondered about the details surrounding what happened with your dad Nick, I, oh, I'm gonna, oh my god, Mandy's gonna have my ass for this. Nick, I'm gonna pretend like I didn't see anything going on here, but when you get back from whatever it is you're doing, I, I want you to tell your mom exactly where you've been and show her this sword. Absolutely, Uncle Terry. I, I'm sorry I was sneaking around, I, and Nick climbs down from the windowsill and he runs across the room and just gives uncle terry a huge hug you're you're a lot like your father you 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 just want to know you just want to know what's up and i i couldn't (laughs) no one ever stopped him i don't know why i think i'm gonna stop you so 
Just just be safe and make smart choices, kiddo. Thank you, Sensei. <laughs> and with that, Nick hops out the window and runs on down the side of the building. Uh, Terry Terry like, looks time. looks out the window left and then right as if he didn't like doesn't realize that's how the sneakers work. <laughs> <laughs> and then a big goofy like oh, as he looks down. <laughs> he, yeah, he 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 hikes up his Kevin Smith like ankle long shorts. Uh, straightens out his gu- straightens out his Godzilla T-shirt and tries to nonchalantly whistle out of Nick's room. Uh, not that anyone's around. <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, Lake uh, catches up with Angus shortly after that interaction with Patterchuck, like maybe joins him mid-stride, Aaron Sorkin style, and they begin walking, talking down the hall. <laughs> and she, he's like, it's really weird that a grown man would threaten to tell your mom. That's that's some playground nonsense. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that felt good. <laughs> You're, I I like seeing you smile, Angus. I. It's been a lot of frowns lately, and and I, I I just like I like I like it when you smile. Yeah, I mean, got more reasons to lately, I I guess. Yeah, I actually wanted to talk to you about that. I, you know, it was it was a great kind of heart to heart we had about the with the team about keeping secrets and stuff. But I mean, last time you and I really talked, it was it was me telling you to get on board with Miper, hit the road, and and that's you know completely moot at this point so i guess i just want to know like how do you feel about not not you and me and weird gravity but just you and me oh uh i mean i guess i was a little bit thrown off by the whole thing with miper uh i guess i had it in my head that i thought i knew you and the fact that you were so on board with Miper meant that I didn't know you as well as I thought or something. Uh. But I think that you had a lot going on and I know that you were kind of put in a tough position to sign the Miper deal in the first place and stuff. And and hey, now we're sticking it to Miper and that feels pretty good. Yeah, this this feels right. This, this feels good. Um, yeah, I... I, I'm 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 learning a lot about myself with you, Angus, and some of the things I'm learning, I'm I'm not loving what I see, but I think I'm I'm able to reflect on them and and move past them be, because I I do think we bring out the best in each other. Ever since that first day where we, you know, raced each other at that party, I I, I you you've really pushed me to like get out of my comfort zone and be better, and and I I don't I don't want to lose that. Um, but I, I was just worried because I felt like I'd kind of pushed you away. Uh, this like smile has gone across Angus's face as you've been talking. He's like, "Wow, you <laughs> you think I bring out the best in you?" Y- yeah. Cool. It's not always a smooth process to find it. It can be can be messy to uncover, but I mean from. From from the waking pits to to Quahalia, we're we're learning a lot about each other, and and that yeah, it's it's not always 
pleasant in the moment, but I, I, I always feel a little better coming out of it. Yeah. Um. I love you. Ah! And Angus looks shocked that he said that. <laughs> <laughs> Lake, yeah, the her her um her glitch just goes red, like full red, and she's like, <laughs> I. I I, lo- I love you too, Angus, and and I love who we are when we're together. <laughs> cool. I think we've we've finished our Aaron Sorkin walk and talk at some um like lockers at the end of a hall, and uh, uh, maybe we just go around a corner. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Fade to black. <laughs> <laughs> piles of snow atop the bleachers at Hillview Secondary have almost entirely melted away. Water drips from the undersides of benches and trickles down the metal beams below in tiny rivulets. A sticker bearing the Miper-designed logo for Weird Gravity dangles precariously, having come most of the way unstuck due to all the moisture. A chilly spring breeze jostles it and eventually pulls it free, whipping it away into the distance and revealing a faded panic energy sticker underneath. Below it stands Juniper Jenkins with an armload of papers and notepads, and one by one, she is joined by our five heroes. Oh, okay. Uh, it looks like we're all here. Um, excellent. Uh, thank you again. I'm, I'm sorry for for uh, uh, not not clearing this with everyone first. Chester kind of, uh, and she she looks fondly over, and she's like, Ch- Chester invited me to to help plan a little bit here. So uh, I I hope that's okay with everybody. Yeah. No. Of course. Yeah. So I think I'm up to speed on everything. Um, and it it took a while to wrap my brain around everything. I mean, d- d- Graham Capone knowing Tristan Voss and and Graham Capone being an, an arborist and and Tristan Voss and and what Miper did to Vestige and just everything with with Nick's dad and it's 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 a lot. But um, the way I see it, I I think the paths forward are. I I mean. The Arborists have all gone to Prismadia to try and head off Miper. Then there's this extra-dimensional research lab that Miper runs that might hold Chester's old armor and, and you know, the proof of, of what, what they did to Vestige and, and what happened there and, and might be the way to finally, you know, out them for everything that they've done. And then there's Miper headquarters itself in in California where, one, you guys can get the proof out to everyone and, and broadcast it through Miper's own system. And, and two might be able to finally find out what's going on with Nick and, and everything there. So uh, I guess the main thing left to decide is who's going where. Well, it seems like the Arborists have Prismadia uh, uh, on lockdown. Did you, do you think they need our support? I don't know how much good any of you could do. I mean, I've seen what you guys can do with your devices and I'm, I'm sure like it, you, you can do some pretty incredible stuff, but also it's the arborists. I have to imagine that they're, you know, when you get on the wrong side of them, we've we've seen firsthand what they're like to to tangle with, and if it's all of them together, focused and and working as one, I I, I imagine they probably got it pretty handled. But I mean, if they need reinforcements, I happen to know some people who would really love to stick it to Miper. Great idea. She like does a little like shoulder tilt. Wait, are you thinking of Jet Collective? Finish your sentence. Jet Collective, yeah. <laughs> well, I thought I thought you'd jump on it a little sooner. I don't know, you're pretty quick usually. I, 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 
<laughs> well, the one time that I maybe give someone else a chance to talk instead of me just going on and on and on. I thought maybe someone would like to fill in when I just Let me know what I should like come back to normal speed. <gasps> Jet Collective, that's the perfect idea. They hate my bird. Right, and Angus taps his toe. <laughs> right. And then he winks at Nick. <laughs> Don't they hate us too? Nah, I guess it depends on who they hate more. Hmm. We'll tip them off and, you know, hope for the best. I think it seems like we've got Miper Target A and then Miper Target B. All right. Well, then, uh, I, I, I mean, I have, I've, I've been reading Tristan Voss's memoirs and, and I've, I've done as much research as I can on the internet. Uh, I've, I've been scouting the web for anything I can find. And, and, and I think I've got useful intel here. But um, first things first, who who's going to which target? I mean, Nick, did you want to? Go to California to find out about your dad? If there's any chance that they have any information, I I can't pass that up, team. I'm sorry. I, I've got to go to the HQ. I think I might have something for that. Um, and Juniper kind of turns to look at Chester, and Chester produces uh, a small silver rectangle uh, and passes it over to Juniper, and she holds it out. And you all recognize it as the uh, the little business card-sized portal projector that you were sent when Miper first uh, was courting you for a sponsorship. Uh, you each got one in the mail that created a temporary portal directly to Miper HQ to meet with Tristan Voss. Uh, and mm. you all remember that while four out of five of you, you know, used yours and, and effectively spent that resource, that was at the point when Chester had left the crew, and so his never got used. Hmm. Uh, Juniper holds up and is like, I, we might have to you know, see if we can hack it or, or, or modify it, because I don't think it's it's meant to be, you know, activated by just anyone at any time. I think it's meant to be triggered by Miper, but but it, it might just be our way in. Wait, Chester, did, did yours not open at, at the scheduled time of the original meeting? Well, I think maybe it's the kind of thing where it buzzes like a... I feel like this is the not the first time I've used this metaphor, but like a, <laughs> a table res- reservation thing that you get at a restaurant. And then you have to, like, <laughs> boop it to activate it. Uh, yeah, it's an invite to the Zoom link. Yeah, you know, you Chester just never never activated it. So while it is, you know, not meant to be used ever again, it may still provide, depending on if someone could say, roll well enough. Yeah, when it started buzzing, I was just like, well, I'm not going to go to this. And it kept buzzing and buzzing and buzzing. I'm like, how do I get this to stop? And there's no battery in it. So I put it in the fridge for a little while to freeze it. And that made it, like, buzz less. But then I took it out, and then it was fine. Well, that's perfect. <laughs> it should still have the coordinates baked in and, and possibly even enough of, the, of a portaling charge. I'm sure we can get it rigged up and working. Well, well good, because that's what I... That's what... That's what I meant to make it do. So <laughs> Nick's going to HQ. Uh, I guess who's going with him and, and who's going to head into Dimension M? That's what they call it, by the way, the lab that they have. That's outside <laughs> Angus rolls his eyes. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm sort of been the, the, the face of our interactions with Miper. They, they sort of know me. Uh, as the, not, I don't want to say like the the team captain, but like I've I've been the <laughs> point of contact with them, so I I'm probably the most likely of us to to be there. Maybe I go with Nick. That makes sense. Yeah, I'd love to have you with me there, Lake. Uh, I think if there is work to do with uh 
armor and hacking into armor and uh, making armor do things that Miper doesn't want it to do. I have a weirdly unique skill set for that. So I think I should... Uh... And Angus looks over at Lake and Nick because he's like a, a, a little sad to be away from like anybody, but you know. Uh, and then he's like, I think I gotta go to Dimension M. Ugh, Dimension M. <laughs> Perfect. Um, Ronnie from the Arborists is, is gonna show you guys the way in and uh it sounds like the the main entrance is through Miper headquarters obviously but but there's there's some sort of a some corner of it borders on a thin zone and and Ronnie can show you a back way Angus nods Elliot Jester Okay I've been um I've been really having a a, a lot of thought about this and I'm like do I go to the Miper HQ where I don't really know anything there I've never been there before, like the rest of you. Uh, I'm not really the stealthiest. Um, or do I go to the place where my armor is and, like, I would know it intimately and I have a lot invested there. <laughs> and I've been going back and forth and back and forth. <laughs> and I was going to say, let's go to the lab. I think that they would not expect that. I think they would not expect me to show up to get my armor back. They'd be like, why? He's ba- he has his other armor. Why is he doing for his old armor? So I, I think that's the way I'm going to I'm gonna go. Perfect. Well, we've got two and two. Uh, I guess that just leaves you, Elliot. Yeah. Um, I think I might be the most useful at headquarters. Yeah, we, we could use your, your charm and your, your uh, just effortless coolness. And your Voidwear backpack to hide in occasionally. That that was, I was thinking of the backpack, but I really appreciate the compliments, Lake. That's awesome. You're doing awesome. And, and you know what, everybody? I, I know that we're kind of splitting up, and this is a big task ahead of us. And I thought it was really important for me to say in front of you all, I was thinking of a, a, a great Graham Capone quote, because she always says, I love you, and remember to close the gate behind you when you leave. Um, which I kind of realized is uh, was most supposed to be like literal. It's not really metaphorical, but it always made me feel good. Uh, and I just wanted you to know that I love all of you. And uh, I don't know what gate you need to close, but, you know, I trust that you know which gate to close. <laughs> well put, Jester. Don't know which gate you need to close, but you know which bridge you need to burn. Um. <laughs> Wait, I have a question. Even like as a question, Juniper, are you coming with us? You've done all this work. Oh, um, I I kind of thought I could do the the sort of uh, uh, coordination, like the 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 person on the on the comms who's like checking in with both of you. Although that reminds me, I don't I don't think. Your M phones are going to work in Dimension M. It's I think the whole area is locked down from wireless signal. But but still, I thought maybe I could kind of kind of be the the person back at base running the show if 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 that's okay. I just don't like um, danger and violence and things that can hurt me. All right, no, well, I tried. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you'll be our girl in the chair. I dig that. Anyway, it sounds like we've got our two teams. We we know how you're getting in. So now let's talk about what happens once you're inside. And we're going to cut away from this now, but I need to explain the mechanic of how this run is going to work. Um, so we're going to just go right into it. We're going to start the action and, and pick up with you guys at your targets. 
at any point in the run, you can mark one treble to invoke a flashback to this planning scene we're having now, in which you can explain how you've prepared for the scenario you just encountered, and essentially you can you can <laughs> briefly <laughs> jump to the past, set up something that you otherwise wouldn't have been able to do, and then jump back to the present and immediately reap the benefits of that setup. You do have to mark a trouble to invoke this. You also do still have to roll to determine the outcome of your offer, but you'll get either plus one d6 or plus one kick. Uh, so this is essentially a modified version of taking a dare in the game. You're marking a trouble to get an extra die or kick, but it also allows you to narratively jump back in time, set something up, and access resources that you might not otherwise have at your disposal, but you did because you planned it all out just so. Uh, and we're going to get a nice Ocean's Eleven-style heist going on. Sweet. Uh, let's go. Uh, so with that, let's get into the action. Hey friends, Robin here, interrupting your podcast briefly to thank you once again for listening. As we near the end of our first season, we are just so, so grateful for all the love and support we've gotten so far, and we can't thank you enough. Uh, if you haven't yet, please leave us a nice review and rating on your podcatcher of choice, and why not recommend us to a friend? They'll be able to listen to the entire season start to finish, so now's the perfect time to dive in. We are at Quantum Kickflip on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube, so be sure to follow us for new episode updates, memes, audiograms, and more. You can also subscribe to us on Patreon, where for just five bucks a month you can get early access to every new episode of Quantum Kickflip, as well as bi-weekly bonus content. We've got some very cool exclusives over the course of the finale here, including original music from Elliot's band Paula the Ape Woman. I'd also like to thank our sponsors at the Alberta Media Arts Alliance Society, whose goal is to advocate, educate, and celebrate the media arts in Alberta. Check them out at amaas.ca. And finally, we are proud members of the Alberta Podcast Network, who have a ton of amazing, locally made shows over at albertapodcastnetwork.com. We release Quantum Kickflip bi-weekly, so you can catch the next chapter on Wednesday, July 6th, and then there will be two more episodes after that before it's all over for Season 1. And hey, if you just can't wait to see what happens next, remember you can subscribe to our Patreon and hear new episodes two days early. Anyway, we're going to get you right back to the action here, but first, I'm going to throw it over to Mr. Patterchuk for some announcements. All right, everybody, settle down. It's just me, Mr. Patterchuk, here to give you a few quick words from our sponsors. Uh, this episode of Quantum Kickflip was brought to you by The Future of Podcast, presented by ATP. Hosted by Todd Hirsch, ATP Financial's Vice President and Chief Economist, The Future of Podcast has launched its third season. By connecting with industry leaders to uncover what's on the horizon for things that mean the most to you, The Future of Podcast promises to give you insights and to help navigate what is often an uncertain future. Explore how our economy and communities can not only brace for change, but embrace the opportunity it creates. Subscribe to The Future Of in the Apple Store, Google Play, Spotify, everywhere the podcasts are found, and connect with us at atb.com slash thefutureof. Not entirely sure what a podcast is. That's a little bit confusing. I, I know there was something called a, a PCAST or a pod broad that was on a, on a cassette tape that that Capone kid gave to me. I listened because I, I thought it might have secrets about what the slug blasters are up to, but it was mostly just him rambling over really bad recording of pop songs, so I don't know, maybe this is something like that? Sounds a lot better, though. Anyway, this episode was also brought to you by Pod Power. With Pod Power, our sponsors are making it possible for us to amplify the voices of Albertans and Alberta podcasters. There's that word again. 
This episode, Edmonton Community Foundation is helping us give a pod power shout out to Book Women. Book Women is a podcast about editing, publishing, and writing indigenous stories. Three Métis librarians, representing nations from across the homeland, aim to inspire indigenous people to share their stories in whatever form that they enjoy. Guests include indigenous storytellers from diverse mediums like podcasting, burlesque, books, comics, social media, films, music, and everything in between. You can listen and find out more at bookwomenpodcast.ca. Ah, I got it. Got these podcasts on the internet now. That's that's awfully futuristic. I guess maybe you log on to their website and then they send you the cassette in the mail. I'm not sure how it works. Something like that, probably. Anyway, that's about it for me. How's how's things with you? Good, I hope. All right, let's get you back to the action. In the dimension of Operablum, in the Lansden Enterprise Megatower, on the 309th floor, in a little place known as Jumbuck, <laughs> we find Angus Franklin and Elliot Buchanan. They are here because they have made arrangements to meet with a certain crew. Uh, Angus has uh, ordered the Ink Squid ramen. Uh, he was very intrigued by it uh, after uh, Nick uh, seemed to enjoy it so thoroughly uh, last time. Perfect. Um, yeah, and I think you guys are, are not waiting long there before um, who should enter the door, but uh, but the four members of Jet Collective. I think Butcher enters first and sees you there and immediately goes to turn around and is like, oh, oh, hell no. No, I'm not doing this. Come on. And Savitri is behind him. And it's like, nope, you you said you'd come. And he's like, you didn't tell me what we were going to do here. And she's like, yeah, well, because I knew you'd be like this about it. So sit down. We're talking to him. And uh, Farnham and Alexandra kind of follow behind and, and don't say much, but are, are looking skeptical. Angus is sitting very casually, like he's leaning back in the booth. Uh, looking very relaxed, occasionally, you know, uh, taking another uh, bite of ramen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Elliot is the opposite, because the last time she talked to these people, she was drunk and is <laughs> uh, very embarrassed by that fact. So I think she is just like hunched over her ramen, <laughs> slurping it loudly. Savitri uh, guides Butcher to the booth and sits him down and uh, the others follow. And she says, all right, I I got him here. Uh it wasn't it wasn't easy but but he's here we're all here you said you had something important to tell us spill thank you savitri i really appreciate it listen stuff's gone down and it really sucks and i kind of honestly don't care about building that back right now because we got bigger things at stake when i first met you guys you seemed really eager to take Miper down a peg. That's still true? Farnham and Alexandra both nod knowingly. Um, and Savitri's like, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, there's, there's a lot of shitty corporations doing a lot of shitty things in a lot of shitty and non-shitty dimensions. 
most of them are shitty. Um, Angus nods. <laughs> but Miper's one of the worst. Um, everything they get their hands on, everything they touch, it just they they have a way of of getting in there and and ruining a good thing, you know. Oh, you have no idea. Savitri smiles. Uh, Butcher is still looking like, like he's being stubborn. He he looks like he he doesn't want to be here and doesn't want to hear this out. Uh, and he kind of looks up and is like, "Get to the point." Angus looks Butcher in the eye and says, "It's time for you guys to put your money where your mouth is and come play <laughs> with the big boys." <laughs> Miper is on their way to Empyrean to do to it what they did to Vestiche. You want to stop them? Wait, what they did to... You're telling me that Vestiche is Vestiche because of Miper? That's... Oh my god. Of course. Of course it is. Oh yeah. You weren't kidding about Miper being the worst. Yeah. Um. How do we... What do we do? Prismadia. The Arborists from Thenispar are going to be there. They're going to try and stop Miper from getting through the Thin Zone to Empyrean. Uh, Butcher starts to speak up and is like, Oh, I see how it is. So you guys you guys realize the mess that you've made. You realize how deep in the shit you are. And now it's our job to come and bail you out and save the day. And Savitri turns to him and is like, Butcher, shut the fuck up. What is what is your problem? What is, when is it going to be enough for you? They didn't know, okay? Now they know. They're trying to make it right. They're giving us a hot tip. Are you telling me you don't want to go bust some Miper heads? And he's like, that's not the point. They, we shouldn't have to. Then don't. I don't give a damn. We're going to take down Miper and this is your shot. Take it or don't. Savitri looks to Farnham and Alexandra, who both nod. And Savitri's like, you're outvoted, Butcher. You in or out? And he's like, fine, whatever. <laughs> Savitri looks back to you and is like, Thank you for this. Really, we might not we might not see eye to eye on everything, but you know, seems like you're trying to come through when it counts, and we we won't forget it. I appreciate it. Go do what you do best. Be a bunch of assholes. <laughs> uh, Butcher <laughs> makes a point of like slamming his arm down on the table as he gets up from the booth in a way that rattles your bowl and spills your ramen a little bit, uh, ah. and then. They head on out of the out of the diner. That uh, that could have gone worse. Yeah, it could have gone worse. <laughs> <laughs> uh, with that, I'd like to transport us now to the plane of Prismadia. Distant, hazy stars illuminate the sky of Prismadia with a pleasant golden glow. It's reminiscent of the last fading light before sunset, all pink and orange and dreamlike. But there is no sun here, and if there was, there would be nothing for it to set behind. There is no ground in Prismadia. The entire dimension is a vast expanse, with pink cosmic clouds and translucent crystalline asteroids drifting in lazy orbits, their gravitational fields overlapping and subtly pulling at each other, slowly shifting their paths in an intricate, impossible dance. Two of the crystal asteroids, which slug blasters commonly refer to as glasteroids, are locked in an endless slow-motion collision, sending crystalline shards lazily scattering outward. The shards are caught up in overlapping orbits, forming long, curving trails that spiral outward from the collision. One of these trails has a massive bend in it that, at first glance, seems to circle an empty void. 
However, upon closer inspection, there is an impossibly large glass ring slowly rotating in the abyss, so completely unmarred and transparent that it is almost invisible. Or at least, it would be, if not for the legion of robed monks standing on its surface, synchronized in perfect formation, perfectly calm, perfectly still, waiting. There is an all-encompassing silence across the entire dimension, broken only by the occasional tinkling sounds of glasteroid shards colliding with one another. There isn't technically an atmosphere here, there'd have to be a planet for that, but what, whatever there is has the same electric charge you feel in the air before a storm. So I want to check in with our crew here, who have now split off into multiple raiding parties. So to recap, your goal here, one team is trying to get into Dimension M, uh, Miper's secret extra-dimensional research base, recover Chester's armor and the proof of, of Miper's wrongdoing contained therein, and get it back to the other team, back in Null in Miper HQ, who are uh, breaking in to search for information about Nick's missing father, uh, and also potentially take over Miper's uh, entire network in order to broadcast that proof out once it is recovered. Now you've split into two strike teams here because time is of the essence. You know that Miper is on their way to Empyrean any moment uh, and the Arborists have impressed you that like this needs to happen now if it's going to happen at all. Um, so you've decided to attack this on two fronts. And I think the front I want to catch up with first is the team bound for Dimension M. You've all been instructed to meet up with Ronnie, uh, the young arborist that you met on Thenisfar, uh, and you've been given a specific set of coordinates in Vestiche. So you all uh, make your way out, much like you did that very first adventure, uh, through the portal in the gravel pit. As you appear in Vestiche, though, you do notice some differences. That ruined cityscape, uh, the sort of aquamarine buildings half buried in the pink sand dunes, that's all still there, but it has been noticeably cleaned out uh, all of the old equipment, the mining equipment uh, in amongst which you found Chester's armor, all of that like debris and, and random refuse left behind from from whatever operation was run here is gone. Uh, it, everything is is picked clean and, uh, and combed through. Um, you remember that some of your classmates were talking about uh, the fact that Vestige had been cordoned off, that Miper was not allowing any access, and you get the sense that they have come through here and removed any and all evidence of whatever happened in an attempt to try and cover their tracks. So if you guys are going to stick this to them, you're going to need the proof that you know is in Chester's armor. Um, I want to just check in with the team. Who do we have coming through here? Remind me who's on, on the on the Dimension M Strike team. We got Chester. We got Angus. I think that's it. That's true. So it's just the two of you. Oh, man. So yeah, I just want to check in with this uh, this duo as you pass through the, the cityscape. Well, and where are we headed to? Like, I guess we're like looking for the portal out of here to Dimension M. Yeah, you've been, and you don't know where that is, but you've been given coordinates uh, from the Arborists. It looks like you're headed out into the dunes, into the into the open pink desert here in Vestige. Wow, this is where it all started. <laughs> oh man. I was kind of really hoping that they'd, they'd just have more armor hanging around here, and I could just take that. 
but I guess we got we're really committed to this dimension M. Um, do do you think that there's gonna be like some sort of like weird like alien that looks like a brain and he operates a giant robot and maybe like a guy who has a bunch of like blades all over him and he like and he and and they, for some reason they really hate turtles. Chester. Yeah. That could be entirely likely. <laughs> oh, no, because like I'm thinking about it, I'm like I'm in the I'm in this miper armor, and it's like this is kind of like a shell. You look like a turtle. I kind of am, and the way I'm talking, I'm like I kind of think I think I if if turtles could talk, they would kind of sound like me. And <laughs> a whole lot of swords are your one weakness. I know. <laughs> I was thinking about that too. I mean, last chance you could go and like. Do the sneaky mission. You still have that weird mustache, right? No, I gave that. I gave that to Nick because I was like, Nick, you probably need this. Uh, I, for one, don't fully know how to use it, but uh, you know what, Angus, I'm glad you're here with me. It's it's, it's just going to be so much fun. It, uh, it, it's going to be awesome. Yeah, I'm glad you're with me, Chester. I got your back. I got your back, buddy. Chester gives you a little thump on the back, uh, maybe with the, the Miper powered armor. It's like a little bit hard, like you stumble forward a little, but it's, yeah. it's all, <laughs> all in good fun. Uh, and with yeah. that, you uh, head out into the. Is it fair to say maybe you got like space time amphimeter? Would that be uh, reasonable, uh, Liam? Or, or do you want to hang sure. on to that? No, I'm okay with that. Uh, so yeah, you guys use uh, Lake's amphimeter to zero in on these coordinates. You find Ronnie just kind of out amongst the dunes. Uh, the the wind is whipping sand past. Everything's uh, it's just just loud. The sound of wind, and Ronnie kind of motions to you and is like, "Hey, hey, guys, uh, here, it's it's me. Hi, hello. Hey. So is this it? Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, it's it's kind of see between the, there's the one dune there, and then there's a sort of piece of like." I don't know if that's driftwood or like a chunk of, of girder sticking up out of the sand. It's like if you if you were to go directly under there, you're going to find the thin zone. Um, now, this is going to lead you in to uh, uh, through a thin zone at the back of Dimension M. And, and I got to warn you, we, we don't know what's on the other side. We don't know much about what Miper's been doing there. All we know is that they they want to operate extra dimensionally to like skirt the laws and the and the and the licenses and the permits that they need to do some of these experiments back on Null. So you're, you're going to need to be prepared for, well, just about anything uh, that could be there. Um, but the other thing you should know is that normally, like, the Miper staff, they don't come through here. They go in the front door uh, from Miper headquarters. So when it's time to get out, you're, you're going to want to go out the front way and, and meet up with your friends there. <sighs> Uh, Angus okay. hasn't said anything while Ronnie was talking, but his smile has been getting bigger. <laughs> well, hang on. Is there? Is it? Is this a null joke? I don't. I'm not up on my null inside jokes. What's What's funny? Oh no, I'm just excited. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, we're we're really excited. So, uh, I think that's about it. Your M phones probably aren't going to work inside. So, whatever you find in there, uh, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to bring it out with you in order for it to have any impact. Um, I gotta join up with the rest of the ranks in Prismatia, so I guess I'll leave you to it. 
don't worry. I I've delivered pizzas. I can deliver uh, uh, information pretty easily. You know, like what is pizza? Man, hey, you know what? I wonder if turtles like pizza. Let, we can't get cut off on that. Let's uh, let's let's get into it. Good luck, Ronnie. You guys too. And with that, you cross over the divide. But I want to jump over to our other team. Do we have cool team names? Has anyone come up with cool strike team names? Hey, have we have we come up with any cool strike team names for this? I mean, we got you know the one crew over in Dimension M. That's that sort of I don't know what the name is, but Dimension M kind of rates itself. What are we? I was always thinking of them as the Dimension M Vaders because they're invading Dimension M. And cool, I love thought it. We we were more of the uh, uh, HQDs. Oh yeah, that that works. That works. I was thinking like <laughs> HQ HQ Deja Vu or, or, or HQ Crew, but HQ HQ that, that works. Probably more t- um, tough sounding. Elliot's got the deciding vote. Who is? What is it, Elliot? Oh, you know we're the HQDs. <laughs> yeah, HQDs. <laughs> Nick, Nick does a, a cute little like peace sign anime pose. <laughs> Oh, beautiful! Lake tries to make a cue with her, with her like a circle in one finger and a, and an index finger in the other, and it's like, no, that doesn't look good. That doesn't look <laughs> wholesome. Uh, Robin, if you uh, can a- add in a little anime ah sound underneath when I do that pose, that'd be great. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about, but I'll look into it. <laughs> um, the first thing I want to know from the HQDs is. Uh, I, I want to see how this whole repurposed Miper, Miper's uh, temporary portal plan works for you guys. Now, I want to get a roll for this because you are trying to do something with it that it's not designed to do. So it does require some expertise here. You're going to have to hack it, essentially. But you guys have a lot of experience doing this kind of thing. And also, I don't want a million scenes of you guys booking flights to L.A., um, so we're going to say that it's it's going to work. It's going to get you where you're going. Uh, the role is to determine how much you're able to get in there and mess with the settings. Uh, so on a six, it will take you to Miper HQ, uh, and it will you can tell me where you want it to let you out within reason. Uh, I might reserve some uh, GM token veto power, uh, but you can give me a sense of where you want to emerge, uh, and I will make that happen to the best of my ability. On a four or a five, it will get you there, but I'm going to tell you where you emerge. Uh, I'm going to pick the spot. And on a one through three... Uh, it will get you there, but it will spit you out exactly where it was designed to spit you out, which is like the lobby right outside of Tristan's office um, <laughs> in the middle of the room in front of everybody, which might not be the most advantageous uh, point of entry for you. <laughs> Who would like to make that roll and, and what are you adding to it? This sounds like a smarts roll. A smarts <laughs> roll, but I'd say help yourself to have some hype die and I will uh, re- use my pep talk to refill it later. So take take a, a hearty helping of hype die. Hype dice. Hype, you, when it's a helping, it's still one die. When you're spooning okay. it out uh, casserole <laughs> style, it's still one die. Yeah. Uh, I think I, yeah, I, I think I've got an idea how I might go about this. Um, Robin, this yeah. is a question that I believe I've asked you many, many times throughout this season. Mm-hmm. I have the ability, Hyperfantasiac. You can picture multiversal concept easily. You, da 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 things, things, things. You get plus 1d6 to any role involving portaling physics. I was going to debate you on it because it's not multiversal. You're staying in one dimension. Uh, but that last line, plus one to any role involving portaling physics, that is exactly what this role involves. Uh, I think you get that plus one. Nice. Then I think also on top of that, 
I, I'm going to go into a little bit of the detail of how Nick is hoping to rework this thing. Mm-hmm. All right, HQDs, I think we're ready to go on in. And uh, it turned out it was actually a lot easier to get this work, uh, get this repurposed to what we wanted to than I was originally expecting. Originally, I thought there was going to be a lot more involved, but really all I had to do was break back in and go through the circuitry to figure out how I could uh, change the internal clock settings on this thing. Because it was set to go off and buzz at the time of, of the meeting that we had all had set, if I go back and set it back to that exact date, it should go back to the same sequence in which it'll start trying to establish that connection and portal through. Then it's just a simple matter of reshifting some of the physics, and notably, since this was given to Chester, it was actually known that it was going to be working off of the pinpoint location of Chester's house as the starting point. So if we shift to another point within Hillview, it should shift us to another point within the HQ where we come out. So just by sliding around slightly, we actually change the initial portaling uh, location based on the digit there, and with the correct time inputted based on my little uh, tinkering here, we should end up exactly where we want to be right now. That That's oh. incredible, Nick. I, also incredible that they assumed Chester would open it at his house. What if he did, like... <laughs> What if he did it somewhere else? Uh, like we're going to. Perfect. No, I love that. I love that justification so much. Um, take your take your plus two d six that I'm assuming that was in service of earning. Yeah, techno babble. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I love. So I love your rolling back the clock like uh, you're driving uh, Cameron's dad's sports car backwards in Ferris Bueller to roll back the odometer. This is great. Uh, yeah, let's get that roll. All right. 46. It is a four. Mixed success. All right. That means I get to choose where you come out. Did you use a hype hype die? I didn't. I, I rolled 46 and I got one, two, three, four. All right. Well, we got, I said use a hype die. Now we're gonna... I thought four would be enough. <laughs> <laughs> so... You tinker with this thing, and you're pretty sure that you've got it recalibrated. You've, you've rolled the clock back, like you said. And maybe it's just the the, the logic of what you were saying there. Like, I, I think I love the justification that it uh, was, was meant to transmit from Chester's house. Maybe it has some sort of, you know, GPS-enabled thing where it uh, senses its current location, but maybe that's also something you can bypass or, or massage a little bit to to slightly throw things off and that's that's what you're taking advantage of here but I think that's where your mixed success is going to come into play is there's, there's an error in that calculation so you set this thing up you go to trigger it uh, a rectangular doorway opens much like the ones that you remember from last time but I think we established too that these ones are local um, and thus they are not the, the typical one-way portals that you open that are like black and nothing can pass back through, not even light. These are these are two-way portals, uh, which is handy for you because it's, it's gonna be your way out. However, you trigger this thing and immediately uh, water starts pouring out and you have a brief moment where you're worried that you somehow like messed something up and you've hacked in and, and, and portaled to Desneen by mistake. But you can see beyond it uh, that there is the the telltale signs of like the, there's there's pillars, there's elevators, there's there's cubicles. You can see that there is office beyond the water. Um, whatever you've just opened a portal into somewhere that is submerged. What do you do? I mean, <laughs> I think Juniper's here with you as well, and is like, oh, uh, this wasn't hmm, this wasn't what I was expecting to. Nick, I thought you Wait, said. Wait, why you... did they store so much water in the archive hall? <laughs> I bet your coordinates were off, but look, you can kind of see through the, the the stream that there there's something beyond this. Maybe it's like a big fish tank or something. 
Um, and I think Lake is just gonna take the plunge. Uh, she's great at swimming. We've established. Uh, Juniper kind of looks to you, Nick, and is like, "I can, I can deactivate it once you're through, and try and recalibrate it from here and find a better exit point for you." I mean, I think they're gonna notice if their fish tank or whatever keeps draining out into null or into a different part of null that like eventually that's gonna clue someone in. So I, I can try to fix it, but that's a good point. And I suppose since we'll just be down in the states, that we should still be able to 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 send some sort of text or something back and forth. I I just hope we don't rack up your 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 charge your bill with international charges or anything. It's it's well, fine. Go quick before they notice. Okay. And it goes in, too. Elliot pulls out a breath mask and puts it on and then goes in. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. Juniper um, closes this up behind you. And it's at this point that I'm trying to figure out when you would realize what's going on here. Um, I think you just you find yourselves underwater. As was stated, you can sort of see out beyond that, like, oh, there's there's clearly like an office building out around us somewhere. Where are we? Um, and as you sort of look around to try and get your bearings, you realize that there is uh, office tower on all sides of you. Miper is a very uh, hip, trendy company that has all sorts of cool, like, that. yeah, they got the, the open concept workspaces, classic arcade games, like, think Google, think Apple. Um, but mm-hmm. also we're in an alternate timeline with wild technology available. Um, so one of the things they have is a fitness center with a pool. Uh, and the pool is a cylinder of water that just runs through the center it's like suspended above a courtyard and it's just a massive floating cylinder of water that runs end to end from one end of the room to the other uh and you now realize you can see people like swimming lanes along the surface of the outside of the cylinder that you are at the center of sorry is this is the (laughs) cylinder running along the horizon or is it going straight up and down uh uh horizontal yeah Horizontal. So okay. from one end of the room wow. to another in the middle of the space. <laughs> like a pedway tube, but a, a swimming yeah, pool. Exactly. Great. Yeah. <laughs> I think you can see that the floor below is not a huge drop. You're not sure exactly how like the gravity of like clearly there's some sort of artificial gravity field holding this thing in the center of the room. So I don't know if you know if you can actually drop down from it, but you do also see ladders above. Uh, that lead up to some sort of a like um, catwalk uh, that looks like that would be the way that you are meant to get in and out. Uh, but it might be a little more noticeable than whatever else you might plan. Uh, I think Lake is going to gesture upwards like she's going to try to join the lane swimmers. Oh, perfect. And then eventually make her way to the to the um, to the ladders ladder. and just pretend act like you're supposed to be there kind of thing. Yeah, Um I'd love to communicate this, but we're all underwater about it. So really, you can follow me or you can try to fall. Take your pick. Um, Elliot sees a problem with that. Yeah. And uh, like sees Lake gesture upwards and then is going to try and pull some swimsuits out of her voidware backpack. Because <laughs> we're all fully clothed. Yeah, I don't... I, I love this. I don't know how it's going to... I don't know where you're going to change, but one thing at a time, I guess. In the water. I don't know. <laughs> okay, yeah, no. no I, I love it. I'm not I'm not negating it at all. This is wonderful. Let's get a roll. I will take a, a hype die. <laughs> yes. Since, since this is for the good of the crew. And then the chill always rolls with plus one. So I'm rolling three dice. I'm also 
just in case any listener did what I did, I was like, how were, how did you so cavalierly just grab a breath mask? But I realized that's not like a like a, an actual scuba mask. It's a slug blaster thing. It's something we have. Yeah, um, you guys have that equipment unlocked. Mm-hmm. It's part of our equipment. Yeah. Uh, that's a five, and I roll doubles. Style. Beautiful. I, I look really cool. <laughs> yeah, mark your style. <laughs> I I want to penalize this mixed success, but like I think your complication is just that. Yeah, you you pull out swimsuits. You know what it is? It's uh, it's three matching ladies swimsuits. And, you know, <laughs> gender norms can go to hell, but also uh, might be noticeable um, that, that you are both uh, matching and synchronized and also that that uh, not all of you are ladies wearing these ladies swimsuits. The main complication, though, I think is just that, yeah, you do need to find a way to change into these without being noticed. And you're realizing that, like, that's maybe easier said than done. Um, so that that is my complication I give to you. And I genuinely don't know. I don't have an answer. This isn't a solve my riddle situation. You tell me how you're you're making this happen. Oh, I have a stupid idea. Yes, yes, Glenna. The best kind. I open my backpack and yes, start getting Glenna. in it. Yes, Glenna. <laughs> oh, wonderful. And then kind of like hold it open for people to follow me. Sure. Why not? Sure. <laughs> Lake was gonna really confident she could just bluff her way out of a pool, but sure, let's climb into the bag. It'll float to the top or something. Is that the idea, or to the bottom? No, it's, uh, we can just, change while we're in there. No, I know, change. but while we're in there, uh, I th- I think it will. Uh, I mean, you'll we'll find out what it does. Yeah. <laughs> um, is this an ability you have to roll for, Elliot? Um. Self-storage. You can store human-sized objects like objects or, I don't know, mannequins. Also yourself. It's dark there. So you guys uh, are able to climb in. I need to stress how awkward it is um, that, like, (laughs) every step of this is awkward. Opening the bag and, you know, trying not to let too much water spill into it is awkward. Climbing into it is awkward. Climbing out of it will be awkward. Uh, Trying to hold it shut so that water doesn't come pouring in after you too much is is tough. And I don't think you can completely stop it. So uh, time is of the essence here. Um, But you do have a brief moment here where you can all sort of converse because you are in the pocket dimension of Elliot's backpack, which is not yet entirely full of water. So you you crawl inside uh, and Elliot presents you with these three matching swimsuits. So, um, yeah, I figure we can blend in with the swimmers up there and, I don't know, pretend we work here or something. Yeah, I think that's a good call. We got to go fast because this bag could be sinking or floating. Yes, right. Uh, as soon as we get out of this pool, we, we can we can get back on track and figure out where we actually are in the HQ. And uh, Nick kind of looks sheepishly at the swimsuit and, gosh, it's it's not really my color, but he pulls his goggles down from his forehead. I guess we're going to be a swim team. <laughs> <laughs> I actually have a I have an offer. I can I can help you with your with your um the 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 aesthetic of your swimsuit. I can't believe it took me this long, but I can fix it. No problem. Um I think Lake re- reaches into her regular bag that she brought mm-hmm. um and pulls out the Miper t-shirt that she isn't wearing anymore. Yeah. Um she switched to that panic t-shirt yeah. uh, and she can just give give Nick a t-shirt to wear uh you know so the bottom looks like a speedo and the top looks like he's one of those kids who wants to wear a shirt into the pool. <laughs> Here I was like, oh, I got, you're going to use your parameter dial to change the nature of the swimsuit from 
male. Put him in a t-shirt. Designed to, or female designed to male, but though, no, a practical, easy solution. I love it. <laughs> what's, what's a weird, I'm not using my reality canon to reinforce the gender binary. <laughs> <laughs> Lena is very Are you sure I Lena. can't talk you into using uh, your reality canon? And also, I, I mean, I think it's important. You should probably use your middle finger on this now, so you can't use it later. <laughs> anyway, I have t-shirts for everyone, really. <laughs> oh my gosh, Lake. A company t-shirt and Speedo look? Why, this combo's just like the protagonist from Free Stroke Plus. I, it's all working out great. Everyone's favorite swimming anime. <laughs> this is a swimming anime? Oh, Lake, we have to have a talk after this run. But to the change rooms. I mean, one at a time in the bag to change. <laughs> Beautiful. Um, you're able to make that happen. Um, modesty prevails and no one no one sneaks peeks and you're, you're all in your swimsuits. Yeah, I was going to say, like, Lake's like... Nick, no peeking. <laughs> Elliot, no peeking. <laughs> <laughs> you emerge from the bag and find that it has um, just sort of settled in the center of this column. I guess it would make sense that if people are swimming lanes on the exterior of the cylinder, gravity is pulling everything to the center. So like the center is the bottom. Uh, that's weird. Don't think about it too much. Um, but you're able to get out of this and somehow wildly and uh, incoherently you have managed to infiltrate my headquarters good job <laughs> and and we can sw- so we can like swim along the bottom of the cylinder like the under so we're like upside essentially on like hanging upside down swimming uh like you're able to g- go up and join the the people swimming lanes on the surface it's yes. like you you have uh, descended into the pool uh like if you were in a regular pool and you like sank down to the bottom that you're you're that's that's where you were but that's the middle and the midst of the middle is the bottom then is all surface swimmable yes you swim around yes lake wants to absolutely swim upside down as soon as she is able to oh i see right side up to the gravity of the tube but upside down to the atrium yeah exactly yeah okay i see she does Beautiful. she does candy cane swirl swims yeah yeah it's great <laughs> um you're like i love that this this somehow worked out for you and i love even more uh, that Lake has a specific ability uh, that helps you out if you uh... do. You not still have that the thing about swimming? I do. I do. It's just uh, if if I had to do any kind of roll about it, exactly. I, could turn I love a one, that you never got to, to use your swimming to... ability yeah. in in yet another instance where I've put yeah. you in a pool. <laughs> Amazing. Chester and Angus, you emerge from one sprawling barren wasteland into another. The first thing you notice is the wind, or more accurately, its absence. Vestige is constantly whipped by gusting winds that toss the sand dunes and howl through the ruins, but the moment you pass through that portal, through that thin zone, the wind abruptly disappears. It is eerily, uncomfortably silent, and the only sound is the echoing of your own footfalls on a hard floor that seems to be made out of some sort of plexiglass. It is a dark, reflective indigo color, and it is divided perfectly into square tiles that create an infinite grid stretching outward in every direction from you. The featurelessness of the space makes it hard to judge its size. At some point, the floor curves up into walls and eventually a ceiling overhead, and there appear to be some pillars and platforms, but they're all covered in that same tiled grid, so it makes it very hard to distinguish the space that you're in. Suddenly, you hear a voice echo out through the chamber. Loading. Training Simulation 4-6 The terrain around you immediately melts away and you suddenly find yourselves in a different environment altogether. And it's at this point that I'd like one of you to roll the d6 for me. Oh, 
Here I go, here I go, here I go, here I go. Boo! A three. Oh, no. Uh, yeah, perfect. This one is not a, a, st- a typical, like, success-fail thing. This is deciding something for me. Mm-hmm. Good. So the terrain <laughs> around you, this, this tiled grid that goes out in all directions, melts away, but transforms, um, and suddenly you are surrounded by foliage. It is, it is lush, it is green, uh, there are vines hanging, you can you can feel the heat of the sun overhead. It's it's blocked out by a, a canopy of trees. Um, there is grass and underbrush under your feet, and you immediately recognize recognize you where you are as the golden jungle, or an approximation of it. Oh, hmm. Angus, 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 and uh, yeah, Chester gets very uh, exciting. Picks up Angus and is like shaking him. Angus, Angus, Angus. Oh. Okay, yeah, yeah, hi, what? We're in the Matrix. Oh shit, we are in the Matrix. <laughs> I know, this is, okay. So we gotta be really careful in here, okay? Um, why, why do you have to be careful? If, if something oh. happens in the Matrix, does it also happen somewhere else? Is there, is there something that if it happens to you in the Matrix, it happens? Can you just, can you just tell me real quick what happens? <laughs> if it happens in the Matrix, it, uh, it happens in your heart. <laughs> okay, we gotta be careful in the Matrix because uh, uh, if we if we die in the Matrix, it gets real bad for us out there. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it gets it gets real bad out there. So don't make sure you don't die in here. Frankly, you don't die anywhere. Okay, look, let's focus. Um, hey, uh, computer, show me more training logs. Uh, you don't get a response um, from the computer anyway. You do hear a familiar buzzing sound that you immediately rec- uh. recognize as the sound of a hyper hornet. Oh, oh no. Uh, worth a shot. Oh, boy. No, that, that's fair. You got Sometimes you just got to try things. Angus, we're going to do this. And we've, we've beaten up a lot of big hyper hornets before, so this will be fine. <laughs> After yeah. all, Angus... We're team adolescent evolution shinobi tortoises, and we can handle anything. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> we came up with our own strike team name. <laughs> I love it. Investige. Um, sure enough, you, you hear this buzzing si- sound, and uh, shortly thereafter, you do see um, one of uh, the Golden Jungle's famous hyper hornets uh, with their, their peel-back-inducing sting um, and their... Uh, venom, presumably, and all of their scary things that they have. Uh, but you don't see it for long, because just as it appears into the sort of small clearing that you're in, it explodes into goop, um, which sort of splatters you. Uh, Chester, I think you get some... I was going to say on your visor, but you eliminated the visor from your, your armor, so you get you get some goop in the face. <laughs> oh, um, <laughs> oh, that's what I get. And you can see off in the distance behind it, this, this hyper hornet uh, was blocking out. Uh, there are a couple of mechanical figures in the distance. One of them looks um, vaguely humanoid, but sort of bulky and robotic. It almost looks like the armor that Chester is currently wearing, his new Miper armor, but without, you know, mm. the person inside of it. Uh, the other one looks uh, like a cross between a helicopter and some kind of bug. It's like a drone type thing with legs coming down. Um, and you can see the, the bipedal one has its arm raised and it has just fired off a shot uh, at this hyper hornet and destroyed it. Uh, but now its attention 
is on the two of you. Oh, okay, Angus. It looks like we're going to have to fight these guys. Angus pulls out his negare and fires. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 right. Okay, hang on a second. And pulls up my uh, my arm pad and starts uh, hitting things. And it has been modified thanks to Angus's actions from before. Mm-hmm. Uh uh, where it's a lot simpler, there's like, oh, instead of trying to uh, rotate through the menu, now I can just like point at it. It's point and click now. I'm just like, <laughs> here we go. And uh, engages the taser bugs and gets ready to fire them off. You both draw your weapons and go to make these attacks. Uh, and you see a little light on the front of each of these robots turn from green to red as they both spring forward, uh, weapons drawn, uh, ready to meet you in battle. In an instant, the silence of Prismatia is shattered as a massive portal opens. It is not a subtle tear in the fabric of space-time like the portals opened by slug blasters, but a massive, jagged chunk of missing reality, crackling at the edges with unstable energy, looking like it might collapse or explode at any second. To say that the portal is above the crowd of arborists wouldn't quite make sense in a dimension with no up or down to speak of, but it's as accurate as any other description, as a horde of mechanized figures comes spilling out, drawn to the gravitational pull of the glass ring, raining down upon their enemies like a plague. These machines come in various configurations, some bulky but more or less humanoid, others more heavily armored and tank-like, and still others looking like helicopters or insects of some kind. They begin to open fire, sending glowing bolts of energy out into the crowd. The arborists immediately snap into action, like a spring that has been pulled tight before finally being released. Some hurl small silver orbs that explode into portals, swallowing up their attackers. Others take a more direct approach, launching themselves from the surface of the ring, taking advantage of the weak gravitational pull to leap upwards and attack directly. One lone figure remains poised, looking on as the rest of his order leaps into the battle. The High Forester is waiting for something. Something he prays will not come. So back at Miper HQ, uh, you guys have uh, swam up. Uh, Lake has, has done her her beautiful. What what type of swimming did you say? What was the stroke that you were doing? Well, it's a typical like like breaststroke. I just I swam in. I didn't follow the lanes. I went in a candy cane spiral around uh, the cylinder. Yeah, I gotcha. Yeah. Uh, that's perfect. Eventually, you guys join up with some empty lanes uh, and and swim your way up to the ladders um, and climb out and try to just sort of. Act as though you're you're here as normal Miper employees on their on their lunch break, getting in a, a quick lane swim, um, and it seems to be going pretty well for you. Um, however, as you're kind of collecting yourselves on this catwalk, um, realizing maybe that you don't have towels and trying to figure out what your next move here is here, you uh, you hear some voices on one of the nearby floors because, as we described, this is kind of a big open atrium where a bunch of different mm-hmm. floors look out into the same space. Um, you hear voices approaching. Uh, and your attention is drawn over to one of these nearby floors. Um, and you see, kind of walking along this uh, outer hallway, a group of people wearing large, clearly labeled guest badges on lanyards, led by what appears to be a Miper employee. It seems to be some sort of a tour group. You see people stopping to take pictures and ask questions to the group leader. Uh, and after a few moments, you begin to notice a familiar-looking logo 
first on someone's jacket lapel, then on someone else's t-shirt, and finally on a button on someone's messenger bag. It's the Doorways logo. And just as you make that connection, you also recognize the face of Lake's mom at the back of the crowd. (laughs) 